the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you kindly, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Lifeline. Here we are, first day of April, and we promise to... Uh, we might talk about a few April Fools today, but we <laughs> we promise not to pull any April Fools pranks on you today. And uh, I will tell you, no April Fools, as we've wound up the first quarter of the year, looking pretty good so far. A Dow Jones Industrial Average ending the day up 171 points to close 33,153. NASDAQ up 233 to close at 13,480. And the S&P 500 broke a record today. Yes, indeed it did. Up 47 points to close at 4,019. First time above the 4,000 point so far for the year. Q1 ending up um, quite handsomely on the S&P, up 5.8% for the year so far. The Dow up 7.8% for the year. The NASDAQ tech stocks kind of hammered a bit so far in the new year. They only gained 2.8%, but if you've got a well-balanced portfolio... Probably not a problem for you, right? Okay, but we're not going to talk money today. We're going to talk about all kinds of other important things. We've got a very special guest that's going to be uh, with us today on the program and uh, spend a little time walking through the word, discussing events of the day, and uh, most importantly, as we head into Good Friday tomorrow and this, the holiest of holy weeks on the Christian calendar, the importance, of course, of um, Christ's sacrifice on the cross Friday and the glory of his resurrection on Sunday, in which all of us as believers share in that victory over death and the grave. Sin? Well, that's still with us, and in a big way. We'll talk about that on today's program as we welcome to the conversation senior pastor of Bible Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, Best-selling author, Dr. Timothy Hawkins. Dr. Hawkins, great to have you back again. Oh, thank you, Brother Roberts. I'm just so glad to have this opportunity. I'm humbled by it, grateful. Uh, I always uh, enjoy the opportunity to, to sit down and, and, and talk with you and to just, uh, you know, just to share, uh, you know, what the Lord is doing. So thank you for, for this opportunity again. I really, really appreciate it. Always a privilege. Wish we were doing this in person, but uh, soon and very soon, that's our, our hope and prayer as we make uh, progress through what has been a very challenging year, to be sure, for all of us. I, I, undoubtedly, you had a, catch to, a chance to catch some of what's been going on in the news today. Of course, today, wrapping up day number four in uh, the Derek Chauvin um, trial, and uh, it's been stunning to hear some of the testimony Dr. Hawkins, uh, paramedics recounting uh, what transpired. Uh, today we learned that even after the paramedics arrived, 
Chauvin continued to stay on George Floyd's neck, and once they arrived, they found him unresponsive. So clearly, oh, yeah. this is this is moving solidly into a into a case uh, which, on the surface, for for uh, everyone so far that we've heard from in this trial, uh, seems to suggest that uh, to call this anything less than intentional homicide um it just it just seems to be uh, right there i mean the 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 uh, the evidence is 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 pretty loud as you followed this case as america is following this case and looking at the events that have been unfolding and transpiring across the nation is it fair to say dr hawkins that america has a race problem absolutely um uh, absolutely um and i you know as much as we can celebrate how far we have come, um, yet it, it clearly demonstrates we have a great way to go. Uh, because for anyone to just be able to um, literally take the life of another individual uh, with seeming no, I mean, didn't even flinch, with no care of, uh, for this person, um, and to hear the testimony, I, I take, take it one of the most, let me just share with you one of the most striking things. I think it was day three um, when a nine-year-old began to share uh, her experience. And um, I believe on that day it was three witnesses that really, uh, really stuck out uh, to me in all of this. One witness, well, I think it was a 17-year-old girl who now is 18, uh, the nine-year-old, which I think is her niece or something, a family member, and then um, another gentleman who literally called 911, called the, the police on the police. Um, and uh, But when I think about uh, what the nine-year-old said, uh, and, I'm, and and you're I, I, talking about to re- keep re- recapping this, rewinding the tape, um, and, and to rewind the tape, if you will, just think about this. Um, it was all captured. It was captured on cell phone video. Um, this is how we got a chance to kind of see some of what went on. But, of course, when you see something on video and you're not there on site, you kind of miss all of what you're going to get being on being at the site. But just the video itself was shocking. So I, so I can't even imagine how um, the young lady, uh, who's now 18, uh, have to yet deal with this because one thing the 18-year-old said uh, is that uh, when I believe it was the uh, defense, defense attorney asked her, you know, uh, or made a statement uh, pretty much, now your life has changed as a result of your video going viral. Then the um, prosecutor came back in a redirect and literally said, uh, tell us how your life changed. And when this young lady began to say she has nights that she can't sleep. Um, and when she began to say she cried at night, apologizing to George Floyd that she didn't do more. Uh, but then her final statement she made was, it wasn't what I should have done, it's what the officer should have done. Um, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there and I just literally, um, I began to weep because I started thinking about how this lady, uh, this young lady has to deal with this for the rest of her life. But I also began to weep because I thought about um, how um, we are not talking about this enough, about the changes that we need to make. 
uh, I mean across the board, that something like this uh, has been repeated over and over and over again. And if it had not been for uh, witnesses standing by, video uh, footage of all of this, cell phone footage of all of this, it would have been another situation um, that uh, could have been easily swept under the rug. Now, when you say there's a race problem um, and, and this tension, this issue, um, I personally have, have dealt with it on a couple of levels. Um, and so I know, um, you know, that this is a very sensitive topic. Some people want to act like it don't exist um, and act like, you know, we just need to not be so serious about it or so upset about it. But um, if we don't um, uh, start speaking out and, and, and making changes, this will... Uh, literally just, again, get worse and worse. So, yeah, um, I have been following it. And in our in our Bible studies, in our discussions in, in the congregation, I talk to our young people. I talk to parents um, on this issue. And, um, you know, I'll every now and then kind of bring in, you know, a topic uh, of, of discussion. And um, it's on everybody's mind. Um, I mean, people are not just, you know, glued to the TV watching it because it's kind of hard to just sit there, um, especially for, you know, uh, a, a person of color, just to sit there because uh, when you when you kind of hear this story uh, and when you think about what happened, uh, the sad thing is uh, <laughs> it's not new. It's, it doesn't surprise us. Um, it, 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 it hurts us. It, it angers us. But it doesn't surprise us because we see it played out over and over again. And, of course, we're not only seeing it played out repeatedly, but we're also seeing evidence of it expanding. Witness, for example, the recent spike in attacks against Asian Americans and, in some cases, elderly Asian Americans. And it's indicative, I'm going to suggest, Dr. Hawkins, to something even bigger. In fact, we're going to take a time out here because I don't want to dive into this and then and then have our conversation be interrupted. But I'm going to say something that may perhaps disturb and trouble listeners, um, and that is that I I wouldn't characterize this in that fashion. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say I don't think America America's biggest problem here is racism. Now, some people say, did I just hear him say that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I don't think it's really a racism problem. Now, let that kind of um, simmer for a moment. And, and, and as you're fixing to get mad at me, I'll leave you there to do just that. But hang on a minute before you get ready to, to uh, send an email to my boss. Uh, let me explain, but I'm going to do it right after the break. But I think what we really need to come to grips with is that all this talk about America having a race problem is terribly misplaced. Let's take a time out. We're with us today is Dr. Timothy Hawkins. He is a best-selling author. In fact, he's got a new book out soon called Power, Church, Politics, and Preachers. I you know we're going to want to talk about that one. We'll look forward to that. We'll look forward to more of our conversation. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
All right, welcome back to The Conversation 520 here on the Thursday edition of Lifeline. My guest this evening is the senior pastor at the Bible Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, Dr. Timothy Hawkins. Okay, now, for those of you that I got really upset a moment ago, maybe that's a good thing. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because as I watch what's going on here, Dr. Hawkins, and it's well certainly before the events of Memorial Day weekend and the tragic death of George Floyd, which was completely and totally avoidable. And all of the other examples that we all know all too well prior to that and even since then, I'm going to suggest to listeners that this is not indicative of America having a race problem, but rather this race problem is a symptom of a deeper cause. I mean, let's say, for example, you have a headache and you have a chronic headache and you call the doctor and you say, doctor, I've got this terrible headache. And the doctor prescribes a couple of aspirin and the headache goes away. But then the next day the headache comes back again. Does the doctor say, well, you have a chronic case of headaches and so you need to have uh, maybe some kind of medication that will help balance headaches? No. The doctor will say, we need to get to the root cause because the headache is simply a symptom of something potentially worse taking place here. So, Dr. Hawkins, I'm going to suggest that the racism in America today is simply a symptom of a deeper problem, and it's a problem that very much is tied into an event that we mark tomorrow. I'm going to argue that what's really going on here is America has a significant sin problem. I would totally agree. Uh, in this, yeah, the, the, the racism is just, again, a symptom. Um, I remember years ago when my, one of my sons was a teenager and he kept complaining about knee pain. He, and I, at, at first I thought, you know, you know, it's no big deal. Maybe you just bumped your knees playing football at the time, only to find out later after taking him to a specialist that what he had was a condition called Osgood Slothers where, um, the uh, cartilage wasn't growing on his um, femur um, like uh, as fast fast as his bone was growing, and therefore the treatment for it was to immobilize uh, his leg, keep his knee from bending for six weeks. And after he was put in a cast for six weeks, giving the cartilage a chance to catch up to the growth of the bone, he was just fine. Um, you know, with no medication, no surgery, no nothing, just immobilized the knee. Um, and uh, that sparked something for me. I said, too often we focus on just uh, looking at uh, and crying about pain without digging into the problem. And one thing that we know um, that a lot of people don't like to deal with and discuss, talk about, that uh, we have a sin problem, that America has a sin problem. People have a sin problem. Uh, and, uh, and, and unless there is a change unless they have a heart change, unless they get born again, unless they come to know Christ and grow in Him and, and walk in His Word um, and to uh, keep developing daily to be more like Christ, uh, I mean, things will not get better. And, but we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that uh, as long as we um, uh, have a, a, a decent job, we, we get a decent paycheck, we pay into our 401K or or all of these things, we we have a um, you know we don't you know we don't go knock somebody upside the head and rob them. We are all good people, 
and uh, and that's the way it is. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. It says something happened uh, in the garden that uh, that affected everybody, and um, and people are in need of a new birth. And um, and uh, you know, again, until we start going back to telling people. Uh, how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus um, and why Jesus came, why he died, why he rose again on the third day. Um, again, I'm, I'm, all, I'm already kind of pushing into the reason I had to write the book. But um, this is, I mean, when you said what you said, and I know that is something that somebody in a minute would try to take and run off with it and say, oh, no, it's a, it, it, this, is a, this is a race problem, and then to turn around and and uh, and argue that fact that um, the race problem is really a symptom because we have a deep it is a deeper issue. It is a well, symptom. and I'm going to tell you, and, and here's the reason why I, I have to concur with you, uh, Dr. Hawkins, and and why I make that statement and why I believe that it is intrinsically a deeper issue because you look at some of the behavior, and 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 let me first and foremost say we understand that God looks at the heart, God looks on the inside, man looks at the outside. But we're also told to be inspectors of fruit. We're also told that you can take a look at the life of an individual and, and the way they comport themselves and draw certain conclusions. So here's the conclusion yeah. that, I, that I come to. When I see that kind of behavior, for example, in the case of, of George Floyd, and, and, and see an individual, and, and we're going to take the labels off for a moment, it's not a man that potentially was passing counterfeit money, nor a police officer trying to uphold the law. No, I, I want to distill it down to the most basic of human interaction. It is two human beings. Yes. And what I see there is one human being demonstrating total, complete disregard for the welfare of the yeah. other human being the lack of recognition that i'm not just putting my knee on the neck of a crook or somebody that's been alleged to do some sort of uh, illegal behavior and we have to be careful right. to say that you know unfortunately we'll never know the truth because right. sadly he took the toll story to the grave with him but if you look at it in the context of someone who could treat another human being that way and not pause for a moment and have something inside of him recognize, wait a minute here, this is not just a fellow human being. This is a living, breathing creature created yeah. by God in by the God, image yeah. of God. And therefore, yeah. if I act like this to another human being, I'm oh, essentially not. saying I hate God. So I, I'm going to suggest yeah. that I think what's happening here, Dr. Hawkins, is we're seeing an increased number of incidences in this yeah. kind of behavior that's almost becoming, you know, uh, the, the second pandemic <laughs> that, that is suggesting that much of this behavior is not just by racists. I mean, it's almost dismissive to say that. I think that the truer definition is to say that people that behave like this toward other people are haters of God. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would totally agree because there's no way you can say that you love God and treat God's creation any kind of way. It's no way. 
No way. If you love God, it will show in the way you live. It will show in the way you treat other people. As a matter of fact, the Bible, in First John, it teaches that. It says that the way people know that we love God is how we love each other. <laughs> it's, 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 it's how we demonstrate love. And this, when you, when you look at this story, when you, when you watch this trial, when you, when you play it over and over again, um, the only thing you see is that there is a total disrespect, disregard. It, 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 it shows itself in a way that looks like just outright hate um, to the degree that life of another human being doesn't even matter. And and that's Dr. What, Hawkins, it's not it's not just hate, it's not just disdain or dislike for someone who is unlike me, doesn't look like me, maybe doesn't speak as I do, maybe doesn't uh, have the same uh, interests in food, uh, listens to different music, all of that. It, it, it's it's not just a disdain or dislike for other. It is somebody who if you fail to recognize God in another individual, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to suggest that you don't know God himself and will take yeah. it as far enough to say that if, if you, without compunction, can behave in that faction, fashion toward another human being, then the love of God can't be in you. And, you know, the, the, the next natural conclusion, I think, is not just somebody who doesn't love God, but almost acting out in behavior that is demonstrative of somebody that hates God, because if this is God's yeah. child created yeah. in his image, in whom God breathed very life, and not just into George Floyd, he did it into Dr. Timothy Hawkins, he did it into Craig Roberts, he did it into you. Yeah. We all yeah. hold that in common. Our package on the outside might look a little bit different. Some are tart, short, some are tall, some have full heads of hair, others like me are... <laughs> <laughs> watching all that disappear. Skin colors can be different. <laughs> the outside package may be a little bit different. But yeah. the inside, the core, the, yeah, subst nice. the substance of that man yeah. is exactly the same because Scripture yeah. does not in any way discriminate or differentiate. No. It says that mankind was created in his image. So yeah. I think that really the problem here and, and the challenge... Dr. Hawkins, and I want to dive into this a little bit deeper after the break. I think the challenge really here is, yes, we talk about we need better education. We need to have programs in place. We need to make sure that certain guard uh, guideposts or, or guardrails, rather, are in place that will, to the degree that you can prevent it or discourage this kind of behavior by the police towards citizens, et cetera, et cetera. All of that needs to be done, but if we do all of that, and fail to recognize what's really at the root and address the root cause, I see no hope or promise of this ever changing. It might subside for a while. Certain groups might get together and sing a couple of choruses of Kumbaya, but until you address <laughs> until you address that sin, please. Listen, I, I was about to say the same thing. But see, I don't expect the world to to address the sin problem. That's that is the role of the church. And, and, and this, again, points at another issue. Uh, why, hasn't, why hasn't the church, why haven't God's people spoke up um, 
on issues that we should be speaking up about. We don't. We have gotten comfortable behind our stained glass windows, sitting on our padded pews. Um, with our praise teams and all of this, and and we have gotten, we have we have specialized in in Sunday performance um, instead of looking, focusing on um, boots on the ground ministry um, to get the word out, so men's hearts can be changed. So yeah, and I, I know we got to go into a break, and 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 I see, I don't expect the world to to approach to deal with the sin condition. I don't, I, I, that's not what I expect. The best the world can do, the unregenerate man can do, is deal with policy issues. But they're not going to deal with policy issues if they don't see that the policy will benefit them in some kind of way, put line in their pockets or whatever. But the ones that's going to, the, the way the change has to happen, it has to happen from the inside of man's heart. It has to happen from the heart out. It cannot happen from policy in. And, you know, the interesting thing, and this, again, dovetails into Good Friday tomorrow in, in such a significant way because very God himself recognized, you know what, um, I set up about certain policies that were handed mm -hmm. down in the Ten Commandments, for example, and my creation, mm -hmm. mankind, has repeatedly demonstrated the wholesale not only lack of ability but lack of desire to live like by those life. guidelines, live by those right. policies. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's like learning to drive a car. The state of California says, take this test. Here's the rule book. Now, you, you live by those rules. Don't go 55 and a 25 and be sure you signal before you make a turn, all that stuff. And if, if you live by those rules, then you'll largely prevent accidents and you'll be able to get from point A to point B safely. God essentially laid out the same roadmap for all of us mm -hmm. in the Garden of Eden. And we know that through the, the, the sin nature, uh, the, 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 the way in which the enemy was able to come in and tempt, that all of that fell apart. But here's the important right. message, and we're going to have Dr. Hawkins speak to this when we come back after the break. God recognizing mm -hmm. that our ability to make policy or keep policy wasn't going so well. See, he came up with a better plan. And that plan acknowledges that at the core, and this is where it becomes so critically important, that not only must the church do this, but I'm going to argue only the church can do this. Because if we demonstrate a challenge in racial reconciliation, I will tell you right now, the bigger problem, the first and foremost problem, is not the issue that we see before our eyes of reconciliation in relationships on the horizontal. It starts first with the necessity to be reconciled on the vertical. If we get reconciled with God, if we surrender our life, if we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sin nature, and we deliver that up unto Him, and then begin to follow Him and, and become a true disciple, as the relationship reconciliation transpires on the on the, the vertical plane, you will begin to see the miraculous happening on the horizontal plane. But one cannot happen unless the other one comes first. We'll have Dr. Hawkins dive into this a bit deeper. Dr. Timothy Hawkins with us today. He is senior pastor at Bible Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. By the way, you can get more information about Dr. Hawkins' ministry and his books. Go online to Bible Fellowship mbc.com think missionary baptist church 
BibleFellowshipMDC.com. You mentioned he's got a new book coming out soon called Power, Church, Politics, and Preachers. Be looking for that, and we'll look forward to having a conversation with Dr. Hawkins once that's available in print. We'll take a time out and get you updated on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. George Gallup, the uh, respected opinion survey group, been around for probably 80 or 90 years. They released a recent survey. They've been conducting this, by the way, since 1937. Just looking at simple things like church membership. And I wonder if there's a correlation here. In 1937, the first year that they conducted this uh, survey, um, they asked whether or not Americans over the age of 18 were active regularly in a church, meaning they went to church on Sundays, they tithed, etc., etc. Would it surprise you to hear that in 1937, fully 73% of American adults claimed regular church attendance and membership. Let's fast forward to 2020. During the pandemic, they once again conducted this survey. They've done it every five years from 37 to 40. And then from 1940 forward, they've conducted the survey every five years. And here is the alarming results that from the first survey done in 1937 that found 73% of American adults church-going folks. By 2020, that had dropped to 47%. And the biggest and sharpest decline has been in the last 30 years. There was, oddly enough, between 1940 and 1985, 45 years, only a 2% drop. But then from 1985 to today, it has been off the cliff precipitous drop. And of course, we're seeing some of the biggest spike in those who not only no longer attend church, but in fact claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Um, In 1998, survey was done by Gallup that found that um, 4% of uh, traditionalists, this would be my parents' generation, the pre-baby boomers, uh, that from 1998 to, 19, uh, to 2020, it went from 4% that had no religious affiliation to 7%. But get this, in the same period of time, Generation Xers went from 1998, 11% with no religious affiliation whatsoever, to 20% in 2020. And I've got to think, Dr. Timothy Hawkins, that that part of this again tells part of the story of the decline in faith in America and along with it this spike in anger and hatred and racism and, and all of the other things that are boiling and oozing to the surface demonstrative of not just a decline in church membership but the significant growth in 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 sin triumphing sadly sin triumphing in our nation today yes yes i i i totally agree and but when you look at our 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 programs that we that we push uh in our churches what we the the messages that we put out uh too often in our churches is to 
Um, and, you know, sometimes in our effort to do a good thing, um, we compromise um, what we've been called to do. Um, note that this is this Holy Week, Passion Week. Notice that Jesus himself, um, you know, Sunday, Palm Sunday, they waving palm branches, crying Hosanna. But on Monday, Jesus, not only did he curse the fig tree, but he had to go into the temple and cleanse it for the second time. Um, mm. Because there was there was a need for the temple to be cleansed. There, there was a problem in the temple, and I say the same thing now. There's a problem uh, in the local church now. There's a problem, and 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 the problem is that we are so busy trying to appease um, people's desire for us to um, have scholarship funds and all of these other things that we do um, celebrate. Uh, all of these things that we celebrate and not um, concentrate, focus on what Jesus told us to do. And that was to um, to preach, to teach uh, the Word of God, to win men's heart, um, to, to preach, to persuade them uh, to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I know too often, I mean, I've been pastor now for 18 years, long enough to kind of see you know, the ebb and flow. Um, and what I have, what I have discovered is that, um, the, there has been that, um, that pushback sometime when I just focus on, um, trying to get people to, uh, go out and to evangelize because, um, folks are so busy with trying to focus on their own careers. Uh, um, they don't want to move out of their comfort zone, uh, on and on, and but sadly to say, um, again back to the need to um, to to not succumb to what people want, but instead to uh, press to do what God has uh, commanded us, ordained us, empowered us to do. That's why the book is really about uh, the power that we have, the the authority that we have. Um, the influence that we really do have, that the church has. And instead of us being a voice, the church is is sadly being an echo uh, of what the world is saying instead of being a voice as to what God is saying. Do you think, in light of what you just said, Dr. Hawkins, do you think that it grieves the heart of God to see oh, yeah. some groups of his church that are willing, quite apparently, to to even risk life and limb in order to politicize but yes. show scant interest in the effort to evangelize absolutely absolutely i know i well, remember this was the same this is nothing new this is the same thing that happened in jesus days the same thing happened um the um the scribes and the pharisees did not uh, do what they were supposed to have been doing the priests uh, had sold out. Maybe had become political. Um, so, I mean, I can, and I'm going to say it, and I know it, it bothers some uh, clergy even to even hear it. But um, some clergy have sold. Out. I ain't saying all, but, but some clergy have have sold out um, in regards to standing for the truth of God's word, um, just for the sake of a grant, for 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 the sake of popularity. Um, to have the to have this rock star mentality instead of having this sacrificial um, mindset uh, of a servant 
And uh, we are called not to make people comfortable. We are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I listen, um, matter of fact, you can listen to some of the uh, old messages, uh, uh, Billy Graham, some of the uh, times he stood in those arenas and the things that he, he preached and what he said. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, when you hear him uh, uh, telling America, <laughs> America needs to repent, I mean, that's huge. And, and then to look now and to think about those who have that kind of platform, do you think they would say that today? I doubt it because we haven't heard it. Uh, no, sadly, sadly, there seems to be a, a reticence to to preach of the the fundamentals of sin, salvation, and sanctification. And uh, um, there are some people that um, that recoil at at the sight of blood. Yeah. And yet, unfortunately, um, a, a a bloodless Christianity, like a bloodless salvation, is empty. Now, you know. Far be it from me to be able, in my uh, infinite, uh, finite mind, to understand the the thinking and musings of an infinite God. But God decided that in His righteousness, it requires blood for the yes. forgiveness of sins. Absolutely. And you know, I, I guess we could squawk if we said God required our blood. Instead, what He did is He He offered up. A substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf. Now, from the standpoint of sin, and who 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 committed the sin? Who ought to pay the price? Well, I look up in the mirror and I see one of the guys every single day. But God instead decided that He was not going to call for my blood, but rather would give me a substitute, and would say, "If you will just repent, and accept, and be a disciple." Then I will accept the shed blood of my son on your behalf, and you—it's it. I mean, it's the greatest get out of free jail card <laughs> that, that ever existed. Absolutely. Do you think part of the thing is we head into Good Friday tomorrow, Doctor Hawkins? Is the need for the church to 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 return to the fundamentals of our faith and recognize that if we're trying to to clean up the message somehow because we're afraid of offending, that we'd better get in with the program and understand that, that, that we were told that, in fact, the message of the gospel is an offense to those that are perishing. Come on. Yes. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, Good Friday, uh, that, that message, as a matter of fact, this Thursday in Passion Week on Thursday, this is, I think it's also called Monday, Thursday, which... Monday, Thursday, huh? Washington. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it, it actually uh, is about what Jesus had, the example that he set for disciples, and uh, he washed their feet. Uh, he also instituted the Lord's Supper, closed out the Passover. All of these things he did, um, getting them ready for what? Ministry. And, um, and because this is what has to happen for what? Lives to be transformed. Now, yes, Jesus has done the work, and, and all we need to do is spread the message. That's all. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit draws. All we need to do is spread the message. So so, so the power um, is not coming from us. Um, the power is coming from God. The ability to do this is coming uh, from what God has already set in place through the power of the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is just yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... But too often, if we 
looking, we're stuck on what makes us comfortable, what we want to do, what's in it for us. We will miss what God has called us to do every time. You know, I, I've I've never been in the back of a police car, and that's probably a good thing. That's a good. <laughs> but I, I but I would suspect in that process, uh, if if you've if you've run afoul of the law, and uh, you're 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 called upon to give account, probably the easiest thing to do in all of that is to surrender. Just say yeah. that's I, I my hands are up. I I give up. I surrender. Yeah. And. I, I, I draw that as a parallel to say that if the easiest process in in the case of facing the judgment of the law is to surrender, God has equally made it as easy when it comes to our ability to not face the judge, face trial, be convicted and sentenced to death, but rather to surrender to him. And in doing so, he says all that penalty phase will be wiped out. In fact, I will go as far as to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, ponder that for a moment, those Amen. of you students of geography. <laughs> and, yeah, and, you know, this fact. is the message, Dr. Hawkins, that the church needs to come back to, not only for the sake of ourselves, but most importantly, if we say we love those around us, then for the sake of the world, we've got to come back to sharing this message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and Brother Rob, it's the back of a police car. I have been in the back of one. It's pretty cramped. It's, it's, it's pretty cramped. You have, no, you have no room to move your legs around. Not, it's not like on TV. It's pretty cramped. And, uh, and when you're in handcuffs, it's even worse. So, uh, uh, you, know, you know, the thing is, it's just best to surrender. It's just best to surrender. And we need to, this is a message that we need to put out and we need to not be ashamed or afraid to do that and watch God, watch God move. Uh, one of my greatest joys is to, is to talk to someone who, um, whose life has been transformed. Uh, I mean, that's my, one of my greatest joys in pastoring is to, is, is to listen to the testimony uh, of, of, of people who, uh, one, one gentleman sharing with me, he'd been in prison for 17 years years of his life 17 years he didn't even think he would ever see the light of day again but god god changed his life while in prison and and now he's 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 out of prison and god is doing a, a, a amazing work in his life i mean and it all came from the fact that uh, he heard the gospel while in prison and this is what we have to do we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ, because there's an awful lot of folks that are in prison. And the reason that they're uh, behaving the way they're behaving is because they're simply blind. They're lost. And when I think about how I was and those testimonies I've heard and how I thought, uh, how I only thought about me, didn't, didn't regard human life, didn't regard, uh, uh, didn't think about right and wrong. The only time I was sorry for doing wrong is when I got caught. But as long as I thought I could get away with it, I would keep doing it because I was I had I, I had an unchanged heart. I was lost, and this is what we have to tell the world today. It, 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 you know, I mean, it's not a matter of you being black, white, uh, uh, yellow, green, or blue. It, it's 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 a heart condition. But Jesus has made it possible for all who would believe 
that they can move from death unto life. They can they can they can receive their sight. They can have vision. They can they can live have life and have it more abundantly. I mean, this is a wonderful message that we have. Although I would also say, in light of all that has been going on, um, there are those who are hungering for the word because they have found that even through a pandemic, that the stuff that they uh, relied on most, stuff that they depended on the most, had all failed them. Uh, in top physical shape, but when a pandemic hit and 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 you had to be sheltered in place. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the whole world changed. It made people start wondering and thinking about this. But then here is a chance for the church. God gave us another chance that we can uh, tell people who is uh, paralyzed by their fear, um, uh, 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 looking for uh, answers, that God is the answer. I think we all recognize the, the horror that has been accompanied with this pandemic, the horrific, senseless, tragic loss of life. But if out of this comes the recognition of our frailty, of the fact that life is just but a blink of an eye, and we are all pondering our eternity and what happens the next, um, and if in doing so we also begin to encounter the question, well, if I die tomorrow, what happens to me? Where do I go? What will become of my family? And we begin to also then ask questions about our relationship with God, who he is, what he thinks of us, and what will happen when we encounter him face to face. And I think God can use the tragedy of this for his glory. And I think it can be an important message for all the church as well to recognize that, yes, uh, we, we need to participate in the body politics. This is um, self-governance. So certainly we need to be plugged in at all of those levels. But if our first and foremost goal and purpose in life is not to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, love our neighbor as ourself, and to be a disciple and make a disciple, if that isn't our number one priority above all else, then it's high time we reevaluate where we stand. I'd like to thank Dr. Timothy Hawkins for being with us tonight, Senior Pastor at Bible Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. More information available on the web at BibleFellowshipMBC.com. That's BibleFellowshipMBC.com. If you're new to the Bay Area, maybe looking for a church home, a place to uh, join and worship the glory of this Easter Sunday, and check them out online. And we'll be sure to have Dr. Hawkins back on just as soon as his new book is available, Power, Church Politics, and preachers, Dr. Timothy Hawkins. All right, let's get you an update on traffic.